welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. Uh, from Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Well, it is our 1700th episode special. And we're just actually on the uh, cusp of our sixth anniversary, which will be on October the 26th, so only 15 days away from the uh, release date. So thank you to everyone who's been so supportive of the show over the past six years, uh, financially, emotionally, and in every other way. Thank you so much to everyone. Uh, It has been a wonderful uh, time that we've had on the show. And we're going to revisit an old favorite. And it's been a while since we played an episode of this. Uh, It's the series uh, Murder Clinic. And the last time we played an episode of this was episode 854, the um, uh, which uh, was in celebration of our 850th episode. And um, I played, actually, in the course of 300 episodes, three specials of this uh, series, Murder Clinic. And then I pulled back, mainly because there are only six in existence, and I didn't want to burn through them at some sort of record pace. But uh, since it's been a while, I'll explain how the series Murder Clinic worked. Murder Clinic aired from 1942 to 1943. And it contained an astonishing uh, number of uh, great classic detectives. Each week they would mix it up with a different character thrown in. Um, Characters such as uh, John J. Malone and Poirot and Miss Marple and Father Brown and and, uh, uh, even Evan Pinkerton, Max Carados, uh, just a wide variety of different characters and sadly only six of these episodes actually survive to this day uh, which means this series is a big loss if you're a fan of classic mysteries but what we do have is uh, is something to as we get to hear some of these detectives most of which never had their own uh, radio series and many of whom have been forgotten to all but uh, mystery aficionados uh, in today's uh, world uh, today's detective is Sir Henry Merrivale, who was uh, created by John Dixon Carr, uh, who had many uh, pseudonyms. Um, his initials, H.M., were a pun on his majesty, and he was occasionally referred to as the maestro. Don't know whether he ever got a cease and desist order from Ellery Queen, but I'm being facetious there. He was uh, Carr's probably... Second most prominent detective behind uh, Gideon Fell. The character uh, of Merivale developed quite a bit as the books uh, went on. At this point, the character had only been in existence nine years. But over time, he would be known to be a barrister and also to have a medical degree. So here now from September the 29th of 1942 is Murder Clinic in Death in the Dressing Room. Murder Clinic, stories of the world's great detectives, Men Against Murder. (laughs) 
Each week at this time, W.O.R. Mutual turns the spotlight on one of the world's great detectives of fiction and invites you to listen to the story of his most exciting case. Tonight, we meet Sir Henry Merivale, known to his host of friends as H.M. in the story, Death in the Dressing Room. Good evening, H.M. Tell me, you were with Scotland Yard for a long time before you retired, weren't you? I was indeed, Mr. Knight. And didn't I hear that you ran some sort of a secret department for them? Well, there was nothing secret about it. You see, it was called the Department of Queer Complaints. All the crackpots were sent in to me. Uh, As a matter of fact, that's how I happened to be on the spot when this nightclub murder took place. You see, I was there investigating one of our queer complaints that didn't seem to have anything to do with murder. And, uh, well, suppose I begin at the beginning, eh? You know how sometimes a nightclub will catch the public's fancy, a place to see and be seen at? Well, at the time of this story, the Orient Club in London was having just such a season, flourishing like the proverbial green bay tree. Tony Kaplan, who ran it, was a smooth, slippery customer, Piccadilly, by the way, of Times Square and Monte Carlo. And he did have one big drawing card, the star of his show, uh, by the way, another Times Square product, Francine Rapport. She was a great dancer. On the afternoon of the day in question, Tony Kaplan was rehearsing Francine. Francine, what's the matter with you? You're introducing this Javanese temple dance tonight. Come on, quit clowning and get with it, will you? Oh, let's cut it out, Tony. It's too corny. Standing in the middle of the floor, waving your arms around like snakes. That went out with the art. They'll eat it up. Listen, Francine, since when did you start masterminding your routine? You dance and leave the thinking to me. Oh, yes? Well, maybe I don't like the way you've been thinking lately, Tony. And maybe I don't like the way you've been acting either. Where were you last night after the show? Oh, nuts. Let's not go through that dialogue again. Put on another record. Well, don't get any big ideas under that patent leather hair of yours. I got plenty on you, Tony, and I might use it. If you make me, see? Yes, yes, I see, I see. Another thing I see is that I pay the orchestra to rehearse, not to referee a love match. Now, come on, let's try that ending again. Okay, fellas, okay, there's Java number. Pick it up eight bars from the finish. Okay, Now you've got it. A one and two and finish. Ah, swell, swell. See, I told you it'd be good. Okay, but I still think it's right from the silo. Now let's try it with that blue spotlight. Blue spotlight? Are you nuts, Tony? You know what blue does to me. Look, friend, it's got to be blue. This number's supposed to be mysterious, see? All the light's out and just that blue baby spot on you. Don't forget you're covered from head to foot with those jewels. You mean I'm covered from head to foot with that stinking oil? All right. I tell you, Tony, it gets all over me. When I finish, I feel like I've been in an oil well. So what? You can wash it off after the number. Well, it's the only thing that'll make those cheap sparklers gleam. Now, quit beefing, friend. This number will knock them dead. Well, I hope you know what you're doing. I always do, baby. Okay, boys, from the beginning now, please. Can 
I speak well, to you for a minute? Why, Paula. You can do more than that to me, beautiful. Come over here. What's on your mind, sugar? It's that costume of Miss Francine. You know, it's just net. And with all those phony jewels on it, Tony, I won't be able to get her into it fast. Oh, forget the costume, baby. Concentrate on yours truly for a change. You know, honey, you do things to me. Mr. Tony, please. Not here. Someone will see you. Miss Francine, she's looking. Hell, let her look. I'm crazy about you, baby. You know that, don't you? But Tony, Miss Francine... Leave that to me, baby. Little Tony will fix everything, everything. See? You will make Paula the great dancer, no? I'll do more than that. You'll have cars, jewels, furs, the works. Careful, Tony. She's coming. Stop that music. Stop the music. Say, what's going on here between you two? Paula, I told you to stay in the dressing room and finish my costume, didn't I? Yes, ma'am. It was just that I wanted to ask Mr. Kaplan a question about it. Oh, yes? Well, ask me from now on. You've been asking Mr. Kaplan a lot of questions lately, and he's been giving you an awful lot of answers. Oh, come on, Fran. Can't a guy be polite to a nice little girl? Not when he works so hard at it. You lay off, do you hear? Next time I catch her hanging around you, little Paula won't live here anymore. All right, all right. Now, if you'll take my advice, you'll put your other expression back on in the county you got company. Don't look now. I think the white hope of the Forsyth fortune is headed this way. Monty? The kid himself, the heir to the Forsyth. I'm just about ready for the squeeze play. What do you think, Fran? Will the fish bite? If he won't, I will. <laughs> Why, Monty, how sweet of you to drop in. Francine, I've got to see you now. I've got to talk to you. Why, of course, Monty. I'm... Sure, Mr. Kaplan can hold up the rehearsal for a few minutes. Oh, why, certainly, certainly. Boys, suppose we run over that hula now. Uh, let's go to my dressing room. It's cozy a bit. Well, Monty, suppose you've come to talk to me about those letters again. But, Francine, you don't understand. Those letters are very important to me. But, Sugar, they're very important to me, too. They're so sweet. I've never had such letters before. That's just it, Francine. You see, I'm in the diplomatic service. If those letters ever get out, well, I mean, they aren't very discreet. It would mean the end of my career almost before I started. Mm, yes, I see it. Wouldn't be so good if anybody else saw them. Well, I guess you can have them back. Oh, Francine, you're wonderful. I knew you'd understand. I knew you'd give them back to me. Give them back? Well, it amounts to that, I guess, but... There's a favor I've got to ask of you in return, Monty. Of course, Francine, anything. Well, you see, I'm afraid I've been a bit extravagant lately, and I'm terribly hard up. I see. Yes, I see perfectly. How much? Now, don't be mad, sugar. It's only a thousand pounds. A thousand pounds? But that's impossible. I haven't that much money. I wouldn't know where to get it. That's your business, Mr. Diplomat. Why, well, I'm giving you a bargain. That's because I like you so much. Why, well, just think what the Daily Comet would pay me for All the right, about... you win. But I've got to have time. Why, well, of course, sugar. You can have plenty of time. Shall we say, um, tonight? Tonight? Yes, tonight. After my first show. The dough is to be in an unmarked wallet. And whoever brings it walks up to Tony Kaplan and says, uh, I beg your pardon, you dropped your wallet. Kaplan? So he's in on it, too. I might have known. A pretty little game. Yes, we thought so, too, but 
Now I'm tired of playing. So don't you forget. Bring that thousand pounds tonight, or else. Make it after my first show, here at the Orient Club. I'm sorry, sir, there are no tables. What would I say, Armand? Sorry, sir, we are entirely full. Armand, please. Sorry, madame, but you see. Oh, good evening, sir Henry. Well, Armand, you have my regular table, of course. But of course, monsieur. Ah, fine. Well, sir Henry Merivale, there is always the table. <laughs> right this way, if you please, monsieur. Ah, you see, there you are, Matthews. Simple when you know how, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Come along. I do, Chief. I don't see how you do it. Don't you? Personality, my boy. Personality, <laughs> only that. Here you are, Sir Henry. Table 16, as usual. Ah, very good, Armand. Thank you. Oh, up uh, here. Thank you, monsieur. Oh, that's very nice. Well, I got your message to meet you here, H.M., I must admit, I don't know why we're here, sir. Are we, um, slumming? Why, not exactly. We're here, Matthews, because this club, the Orient, is run by two of the slickest crooks I'd ever had the pleasure of knowing. Really? Tony Kaplan and Francine Rapport. And because Scotland Yard has complaints about a new and highly ingenious racket, they're presumably working. Pocket-picking in the futurist manner. What? <laughs> Oh, I'm afraid I don't understand, sir. Well, let me explain. You see, a guest here with a good many drinks inside him seldom remembers exactly how much money he has in his wallet. Now, if that wallet is lifted and deftly returned, minus three pounds, say, or a fiver, he simply assumes he must have spent it. I see. The method is harmless and very nearly undetectable, but the takings each week must be enormous. <laughs> very ingenious. Yes, isn't it? I say... There's an interesting-looking girl. There's one in white at the next table. What? Why, H.M.? Eh? Oh, no, no. I don't mean aesthetically. Uh, in this case, I mean professional. She's just dropped a man-sized wallet on the floor. She seemed very nervous when she picked it up again. I wonder... A man's wallet? <laughs> what would she be doing with a man's wallet? I'm sure I don't know. But I mean to find out. Ah, the floor show's about to start. Tonight, tonight, Francine offers for your approval for the first time a new dance. The Chavanese Temple Dance. <laughs> oh, I say, Jim. Yes? Look, that girl in white we were just talking about. She's leaving her table. She's going into the bar. Uh... Follow her, man. Find out where she's going and report to me. Right, sir. Say, bartender. Did a lady in white just come in here? Yes, sir. She went in there, sir. Oh, thank you. Hey, sorry, you can't go in there, sir. I think I can. Here. I'm a police officer. Oh, oh, police. Yes. 
Where does that door lead to? Uh, to the dressing room, sir. Oh, I see. But the girl did go in there. Oh, yes, sir. All right. Out of my way, please. Uh, yes, sir. Let me by, please. <laughs> Wait a minute. Not so fast, young lady. <laughs> Would you, uh... Mind telling me what you did with that wallet you put in your handbag a minute ago? Wallet? Really? What wallet? Now, look. I'm a police officer. Oh, I see. One of those persons who have a good time here and then arrest the management for selling drinks after hours. No, I have nothing to do with that. But would you mind explaining what you were doing with that wallet? I, I suppose I'll have to. I picked it up off the floor. Oh, picked it up? Yes, it's quite true. Not being able to appreciate the charms of Miss Francine Rapport, which evidently stagger you men so, I went to the bar during her dance. On the way, I picked up the wallet. Naturally, when the lights went up, I wanted to find the proper owner. Then why didn't you? Well, what do you think I'm doing here? Miss Rapport, I understand, is part owner here. I'm sorry if the proper procedure is to stand on the table and shout that you've found a wallet. I thought of taking it to Miss Rapport. Oh, I see. And uh, did you give it to her? No, she, she isn't here. Evidently, she didn't come back here after her dance. Perhaps you'll be good enough to let me pass so I can take the wallet to Mr. Kaplan. Now, just a minute, please. Oh, right, you can come with me. No, let's say you come with me. We're going back to Francine's dressing room. No, I won't. I, come I, with I won't. me, I said. Is, um... This Miss Rapport's dressing room? Yes. Well, then. We'll soon find out if she's here or not, eh? You see, I told her she wasn't here. Yes, so you did. But uh, if you don't mind, I think I'll just make sure. Wait, you can't go in there. Huh? Well, who are you? Paula, Miss Rapport's maid. Oh, then, um, open the door. I'm a police officer, and I want to see her. But you can't... Come along. Very well. Oh. What's this? She's dead. I didn't do it. I swear I didn't do it. Murdered. Stabbed in the back of the pair of scissors. Let me out of here. Let me out of here. Stay where you are, both of you. And now, folks, the medley of casting hits, beginning with the favorite of yesterday and today... Whispering. Close that door, please. All right, now you. You told me your name is Paula. Miss Rapport's maid? Yes, sir. Were you here when Miss Rapport came back from her dance a few minutes ago? No. No, I was not. I can prove I was not. She met me at the end of the passageway. Gave me a message to take her to Mr. Kaplan to come back and see her. I went and told him. I was out there. Mr. Kaplan can tell you that. All right, now, all right, steady. Uh, Paula, do you know where table 16 is? Yes, sir. All right, at table 16, you'll find a big, heavy-set man with a sandy, ruddy complexion. His name is Sir Henry Merivale. Ask him if he'll come in here right away, will you? But don't say a word about this to anyone else. Have you got that? Yes, sir. Can't I go now? Please, I can't stand looking at her there. I'm sorry. I'm afraid I'll have to ask you to remain where you are. See, this in her hand. Scrap of paper, hmm? Evidently left when the murderer snatched the rest of it from her grasp. Got to see you, ever your adoring Monty. Monty? Oh, you know him? No, I... 
No, I don't. But you knew she was dead. Why didn't you tell me? You must have known I saw you come out of this room. You think I'm insane. You'd only have thought what you're thinking now. But I didn't kill her. I came in here and I found her dead. All I wanted to do was to get away. I don't expect you to believe that. I probably wouldn't believe it myself if I were in your place. Then, what about that wallet? It's Tony Kaplan's wallet. You might as well know now. Oh, you stole it. No, I didn't steal it. He dropped it. He dropped? He dropped it, I tell you. You still got the wallet? Well, I... You better let me have it. Oh, here it is. Thank you. Thousand pounds. What's going on here? Who are you? Teddy, Captain, don't touch what? anything. She's dead. Francine. Yes, Captain, we just... They got her. She was all I had. Who did it? Tell me, Take who did it? Easy, I'll kill him. Who's that girl? I can't... What's she doing that? here? Well, she told me she'd found your wallet. Yes, that's right. Now, Mr. Matthew, you can clear up one thing. I mean, about that wallet. Mr. Captain can clear it up. I saw him drop it. He can tell you who I am, too. He can vouch for me. All right, Captain. Is this your wallet? What wallet? Where? What are you talking about? Does this wallet belong to you? Certainly not. Oh, I suppose you'll say that you don't know why I'm here, either. Madam, I don't know what you're talking about. I only know that Francine is dead. Dead, do you understand? I love Francine. I come in here to find a stat with a pair of scissors. And all you people could do is babble about a wallet, a wallet. Oh, I don't know who you are. I never saw you before in my life. Did you kill her? Did you? Did you? I've done a lot of things in my life. Judged by the number of police in my club tonight, they think I've done a lot more. But I couldn't have killed Francine. I never left that orchestra platform from the time Francine was dancing was just a moment ago. Fifty people will testify to that. Once in my life, I'm in the clear when dirty work's been done. This kind of dirty work, this kind. What kind of dirty work, Tony? Who are you? Sir Henry. Oh, boy, Chief, am I glad to see you. Why, thank you, Jim. Hello, copper. Come to run us all in? No. Francine's maid told me. I've telephoned divisional headquarters about our unfortunate homicide here. They'll take charge. No, I really came to break up your newest and I think most ingenious racket. I don't get you. I... This is a test. There is no air raid at this time. The First Fighter Command, New York, requests that all radio broadcast stations receiving this test transmit time when signal was received by telegraph to First Fighter Command, New York. These tests will continue at certain intervals. If it is ever necessary to close broadcast stations due to enemy air raid attack, your station will make a short announcement of the fact when it goes off the air. This is only a test. Thank you. This wallet contains the blackmail money that Kaplan and this Rapport wanted from your brother for his letters to Miss Rapport. 
doesn't it? No, no. You're crazy. You were instructed to hand the money to Kaplan in public in the presence of witnesses in a wallet with a little speech. This is your wallet, isn't it? It's not you true. Can't get away you went with to it. give it to him by the orchestra platform, but at the last minute you lost your nerve, didn't you? No, I So didn't. you followed Francine in here and tried to fling it at her instead. You're trying to trick me. That's another one of their little games. Nice, safe blackmail. They used to pull that one in Paris. You're going a little fast, aren't you, copper? You could get into trouble, you know, talking like that. Making accusations you can't prove out of nothing. Uh, not exactly nothing, Anthony. Monty Forsythe telephoned us, but then he lost his nerve and refused to set a trap. There was nothing else we could do about it. Well, what else could I do? I had to get back those letters Monty wrote her. He won't help himself, and I... Again, Miss Forsythe, I seem to have made a fool of myself. I'm sorry. That's all right, Mr. Matthews. You may not have caught a pickpocket, but how do you know you haven't caught a murderess? Look there at that piece of paper in Francine's hand. That's torn off one of my brother's letters. And our wonderful Mr. Kaplan knows it as well as I do. I don't know what Francine was up to. About letters, that is. She wanted itself some letters. That was her business. But if there were letters, where are they now? Well, here's part of one at any rate. You know? Strange what soft hands and arms Francine has. Hmm. Uh, by the way, Miss Forsythe. Did you get the letters? No, no, no. I told you she was dead when I got here. I was only here half a minute anyway. I haven't got any letters. Well, you can search me if you like. Kaplan had the letters. He probably still has them. I never had any letters. Maybe your brother got him. Didn't this copper say he's here tonight? What's his alibi? You know you really are a nasty bit of work. That may be. We're none of us perfect, not even you. But you see, Miss So-and-so, you're in a jam, a bad jam. Now, I'm not in a jam at all. I didn't kill that poor kid. I couldn't have killed her. The coppers themselves will tell you I never left that orchestra platform at any time. Is that true? Yes, it's quite true. Uh, see? No, I, I don't see. All I know is that it cost Monty and me nearly everything we've got to scrape that money together. There must be lots of poor fools like us. The clever ones of this world have it all their own way, haven't they? No, I think not, Miss Forsyth. No. Uh, come in. Oh, it's you, Paula. Come in and close that door, please. Paula. Paula. Uh, haven't I seen you somewhere before? Maybe you have. I was at the Tin Hat Club two, three years. No, 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 I've never been at the Tin Hat Club. No, no. Have I seen you more recently than that? I don't know. Very well, we'll skip that. How many dressing rooms are there here? Two besides this. Any other principals aside from this rapport? No. And the chorus girls, did they change in these rooms? I'll answer any of your I'm questions. I'm talking to Paula now. No, on the other side. Miss Rapport not let them. When did you last see Miss Rapport alive? I passed here when she came back off the floor. She gave me a message for Mr. Kaplan. Ah, so you have an alibi too, eh? Tony, you're a good dance director, aren't you? Yes, I guess so. What's that got to do with it? Do you suppose you could teach Paula here to do that temple dance? Now that Francine won't be able to dance it any longer. Oh, I suppose it. 
Look here, H.M., what are you getting at? In fact, you've already taught her, haven't you, Tony? No, certainly not. Did you notice the dance finished three measures too soon tonight, Tony? Didn't that worry you? Have you gone up your rock? I think not. Let me have a look at your hands, Paula. My hands? Yes, both of them. If you're saying Paula had anything to do with killing Francine, you're wrong. She was out on the dance floor with me the whole time. Fifty witnesses can prove it. No doubt. And if you're saying she's a pickpocket, you must be completely off your nut. What do you think you'll find in her hand anyway? Beeswax? No. Not at all. No. Only oil. Oil? You're quite right. She was out on that dance floor the entire time. She's got oil on her hands and arms, Tony. How did she get it there? Let me alone. How should I? I'll tell you. From the oil that was smeared on those jewels on her costume while she was on that floor dancing. Why was she out there dancing instead of Francine, Tony? Or shall I tell you that too? You're crazy. Because Francine was in here, dead. Wasn't she, Tony? No, no. You killed Francine before the dance. No. Then you went out to the bandstand and Paula took Francine's place. You were sure no one would recognize her in that dark blue light. With her Japanese headdress on. No, I... Oh, keep your trap shut. Everybody assumed it was Francine, would swear they saw her alive. And everybody would swear they saw you out there all the time. A pretty alibi, Tony. Yeah, that's right. I got a swell alibi, copper. Try and break it down. Well, Paula, who is it to be? You or him? No, I didn't kill her. He'll rat I on you, Paula. You know that, don't you? Yes, I'll tell. Why, you black-hearted, double-crusted rat. He did her, Captain, or you'll get hurt. He killed her. He killed her with scissors. He paid you to have nothing happened. He promised marry me. I do nothing, nothing. All right. Constable. You call me? Yes, Constable. Take them away. Right, you will, sir. A nasty customer, Jim. Right, sir. They both are. And it was lucky for you Paula didn't have time to wash that oil off her arms. You might never have caught her. Yes, yes, that helped. But uh, it was plain from the first that there'd been a substitution of identities. For the first, Sir Henry? Yes. Well, I don't see how. (laughs) Well, Jim, as you know, I have an eye for a pretty girl. But uh, that's not all. Whatever you might say about Francine Rapport, she was a magnificent dancer. I didn't know who it was dancing out there tonight, but I knew it wasn't Francine. You have been listening to Murder Clinic. Murder Clinic, the WOR Mutual Series, which brings you each week one exciting case, one member from the select band of the world's great detectives. Next week, Murder Clinic will bring you one of the best-known and best-beloved figures in all crime fiction, Agatha Christie's Hercule Poirot, the man with the little gray cell. The story is the tragedy at Marsden Manor, in which Poirot double-crosses a double-crosser. Tonight's detective was H.M. Merivale, played by Roland Winters. 
Original music was composed by Ralph Barnhart and conducted by Bob Stanley. This program was an international exchange feature over the coast-to-coast network of the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. Tales told on Murder Clinic are adapted by authors Lee Wright and John A. Bassett. Murder Clinic is produced under the direction of Alvin Flanagan. Frank Knight speaking. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. This is Andrea J. Graham, author of the Web Surfer series. Oh, and a man's wife. You're listening to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. Welcome back. Well, this one is just a very neat little uh, mystery. And it definitely fits the typical Carr story. Carr was considered the master of the locked room mystery. And, well, I don't think this was quite in that category. It did appear to be an impossible crime, but with a very simple and neat solution. The star of this uh, adaptation is best known not for his radio work, Roland uh, Winters, is best remembered as the last star of the Charlie Chan uh, film series. He took over from Sidney Toller and made six uh, Charlie Chan films, though he had a very rich and varied career. All right, well, that will do it for today. We will, of course, revisit Murder Clinic. We have two episodes left, and I'll save them and guard them, and hopefully we'll play another episode in another uh, year or so. In the meantime... uh, Join us tomorrow for Michael Shane and send your comments to Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.